The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. Do you ever have one of those mornings, usually it's a Monday, and you get up and you're getting ready for another week of work, and you just ask yourself, what's the, what's the point? I mean, is it, is it the money? Is that the point? Whether you're heading off to work at the airlines or in an office, whether you're a caregiver or a student, there are lots of times when you look at your life and what's lying in front of you and ask, what's the point of it all? We Americans have an interesting relationship with our work and with the income that it produces. If you meet someone in Europe, small talk usually centers around what part of the country are you from? What entertainment have you taken recently that's, in, that's interesting? The one thing they don't ask you in Europe is the quintessential American small talk starter. So, Phil, what do you do? We can't help ourselves. We define ourselves by our work. But boy, aren't there days when you wonder, what's the point of it? I mean, it seems to me like our culture is grappling with that issue, especially as we're coming out of pandemic and everything got turned upside down. People were working from home and now there's hybrid work. People are pushing back against return to the office. It certainly seems like there's an awful lot of grappling. And you could just tell by the fact of the, the wide variety of attitudes that people bring to the workplace in America today. Right? Like maybe on one end of the continuum, you've got the hustle culture. The hustle culture, that's what says there's, there's always more money to make. There's another promotion to be had, a new title to gain, another hill to climb. That is the grind culture, the side gig culture. Maybe, maybe the apex of that is when people adopt the FIRE policy. Have you heard of that? F-I-R-E. Financial independence, retire early. The idea is to work so hard and save so hard that hopefully you can accumulate enough wealth, hopefully when you're young, that you can be financially independent, you can retire from the rat race, and then you can spend your life doing the things you want to do, whether that's volunteering at a homeless shelter or like making TikToks of the infinity pool in Bali. Whatever is your flavor. You know, but on the other side of the equation, you see people taking a different approach. You hear people preaching about the value of work-life balance. People who don't want to give up on the flexibility that they got during pandemic when they could work from home. And at the far end of that is the movement that right now is getting a lot of press. I don't know if you heard about it. It's called quiet quitting. Have you heard of that? Quiet quitting. This is where you don't quit your job. You just quit the idea of doing anything over and above. So you're not going to let your job define you. You're going to do the bare minimum. They call it quiet quitting. Now, wherever you happen to fall in that continuum, between hustle culture and quiet quitting, I think we all have to agree, if this is the wide variety of answers that American culture is trying to offer to the question of, what's the point? Maybe American culture doesn't really have an answer that satisfies. Maybe they're still grasping for it, right? 
Maybe there's meaning that we can find, um, the meaning behind the money or the worth behind the work. Maybe there's an opportunity for you and I to concede that American culture might not be providing us with the right answer. What's the point? So this morning we're going to listen for a minute to a guy named Solomon. Solomon was the king that came after King David. And what made Solomon unique was he was, um, he was un, a man of unparalleled wisdom and a man of unparalleled wealth. So this guy had it all while he was king. He ruled in peace and in power. He was royal. He was rich. He was wise. He was wealthy. He had everything. But he looked at his life and he said, what, what's, what's the point of it all? And so this king, Solomon, he set out to answer the big questions of life and leisure, of work and wealth. And he wrote down his findings in this book called Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is just a Greek word that means the teacher. Um, so Solomon says he's gathered this wisdom and now he wants to teach us. And I got to tell you, when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it has a very modern sound to it. Like Solomon's words would fit in really well in a hustle culture blog. They would also, some of them fit in really well on a quiet quitting podcast. Because what he did was he took his wealth and his wisdom and he set about to do some social experimentation, trying to find meaning behind the money and worth behind the work. He started out by devoting himself to wisdom. He thought, maybe if I understand this world and how it works, then I'm going to be able to understand the point of this all. But he described that effort as chasing the wind, something you can never catch, right? So then he gave himself over to pleasure, to laughter, to folly, the exact opposite of wisdom, right? He gave up trying to care what anything meant. It's this insouciant attitude that, you know, let's eat, drink, and be merry. But it didn't answer his question. He turned to wine, tried to drink himself to fulfillment. It didn't work. So then he upscaled his lifestyle, built some custom homes with as many of the, you know, upgrades that you could get. He got into real estate, even did some environmental improvement didn't give him the answer. So he set about trying to grow his portfolio of money and precious metals, of jewels, of employees. He looked for meaning in pleasure, gave himself over to sex that was outside of God's plan. He left no stone unturned. His conclusion, after going through all those experiments, this is what he wrote, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Solomon, though, today, he wants us to listen to him for a few minutes because this man who tried everything wants to offer us a solution to find meaning behind the money, to find worth behind the work. We're going to take a look at just a few of his verses in chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes. That was the first reading in your service folder. Look at verse 10 with me. He says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. 
It's an important human truth that if you love money, you never have enough of it. I uh, read a study a few years ago that asked people how much more income would they need to feel happy or secure or satisfied. Asked all these people how much more. Now, you can think in your own head. Go ahead and do your own math. What would that number be for you? The study found the average was about 20%. 20% more. That's what I would need to feel secure, happy. The surprising thing, though, was the answer was the same if you made $40,000 or you made $400,000. Didn't matter. It was always 20% more. The point is that if we, if we think our happiness is going to be based on stuff, it's always going to just be over the next hill. It's always going to be just out of reach. As Solomon would say it, it's like chasing the wind. So close, but not quite there. Meaningless, he said. And why? Look at verse 11. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The point he's making there is pretty simple. The idea is that our lifestyle tends to scale up to our income. So if you get a raise, what happens? Maybe clothes get a little nicer. The restaurants you go to get a little better. Car gets a little shinier. House gets a little bigger. But again, that 20% doesn't change. And I love that line where he said, and what benefit does it give you except to feast your eyes on your wealth? You know, back in Solomon's day, when you had wealth, these were things you could actually feast your eyes on. Like you could look over rolling farmland or a pile of gold coins or some shiny jewels. Feast your eyes on them. What do we get to feast our eyes on? What, a couple of digits on a bank statement? That's not much of a feast for the eyes, is it? Solomon has a word for it. Meaningless. Verse 12. The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. Solomon's calling out the lie the world is still trying to sell us, um, that if we just have the right amount of stuff, we will have peace and be able to sleep. We know it's a lie, but you know, it's such a hard one to set down because we live in this consumer culture that tries to sell it to us every day, and it's so easy for us to give in to it. But the reason Solomon warns us about it is because for people like us who live in an affluent society, which we do, we have to remember that, that there can be trouble brought by this. Verse 13, I've seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there's nothing left for them to inherit. Here's a hard truth that Solomon is reminding us of, that that money is often not just meaningless, it has malice. It can be for the ill effect of those who have it. He calls it a grievous evil, especially the second one. He says where wealth is lost and the children aren't provided for. He's, he's hinting at the resolution we're going to find here together today. He's saying that uh, the possessions that this person had didn't fulfill their purpose. And when the possessions don't fulfill their purpose, it's a grievous evil. And if they don't fulfill their purpose, well, then we're stuck asking the question Solomon started with. What's the point? 
Verse 15. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. This, too, is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. And what do they gain since they toil for the wind? Solomon's reminding us of something we know we just have a hard time applying in our life. We know that no matter how much you have or how little you have, at the end of your life, everybody's balance sheet reads the same, right? When you're checking out a life in this world, the balance sheet reads zero. We know that. We know that these possessions that we have are just kind of on loan to us. The issue is, how do we apply that in our life? Right? How do we find worth behind the work and meaning behind the money? Well, first we need to understand its rightful place and purpose in our life. We have to realize that all it is, is a means to an end. The only question is, to what end are you using it? Our country and our culture might encourage us to be like Solomon and try to use those means to find an end in fulfillment or, or joy. We might try to use those means as an end to feel young or to feel beautiful or to feel envied by our friends. We might be tempted to use those means to find pleasure or distraction. But when we use those things to that end, Solomon says, and deep down we know it's like working for the wind. You can't fight off old age forever. You cannot find happiness in things that can't love you. It's just like the wind, it blows through your hands. If that's why you get up and go to work in the morning, I can understand why you might sometimes say, what's the point, <laughs> right? How, how can I gather enough stuff early enough so I can get out of this rat race and I can go sip some Mai Tais in the lanai, get out of this rat race and never have to worry about anything but me again? I get it. But what if... What if there's another answer? What if there is a way to live the Christian life in the middle of this world that seems so antithetical to the Christian message? What if our job, what if our wealth, what if our money finds meaning in a different end? Listen to what Solomon says. This is what I have observed to be good. It's appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when, some, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. All right, a really important word in there is where he says, this is their lot. Lot, the word there means the portion that God has assigned to you. And God says the secret to finding meaning behind the money and worth behind your work is to look at the lot, the portion that God has assigned to you. God is saying here, it's not about the hustle culture or about quiet quitting. He's not saying that work is bad or that wealth is evil. What he's making is the point of it all. What we do with what we have, it's not about money. He says it's about vocation, not vacation, vocation. Vocation is the lot that God has assigned to us, the roles he's given us in life. You see, God assigns roles to each one of us um, to be his hands serving his people. 
So God has given you various callings, right? You might have a calling as a spouse, as a parent, as a friend, as a godparent, as an employee, as an employer, as a citizen. These are all callings that God's given you, roles in which he wants you to serve in your life. And he says that the secret to finding satisfaction in all of your work is to use it to fulfill those callings. It's not about money. It's about vocation. It's not about what your job does. It's about what your job allows you to do to serve the people around you. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? That God says it's not about the money. That's a means to an end. He says, go ahead, work hard. Get that promotion. Get that pay raise. Get that new title. And think about what it allows you to do to serve the people God has called you to serve in your family, in your church, in your community. He also says, maintain work-life balance. Go ahead to make sure you have the time to serve the people you need to serve, to be the father or mother God's called you to be, to be the student that God has called you to be, to serve the people God's given you. Because here's the thing. Those callings, God means to give you a special dignity by giving purpose to everything you do. And you think about it this way. Um, God works in this world, but he works through means. Like, God promises to feed your children. But how does God do that? Through parents, right? God promises to protect the helpless. How does God do that? Through police officers. God promises to heal the sick. He does that through the hands of doctors and nurses. Okay, so this is the high dignity that God gives to every bit of work that you do in all the roles that you have in your life. God says that he is deigning to work through you. So the work that you're doing is fulfilling God's purposes. It's not just about this work, and it's certainly not just about the money. It's certainly not about what you're doing, but about what God says he can do through it. Right? That means the Christian auto worker can head to the plant every day knowing that the repetitive nature of his work cannot take away the dignity that God gives it by using him as a tool to care for his family. The Christian homemaker who's covered with baby food, even though her work is not acknowledged by money, that cannot take away the dignity that God has assigned to her to be the tool he's using to care for those young ones. I mean, from general manager to janitor, from engineer to day laborer, what God has done, he's given every Christian a calling to serve the people around them with the high dignity of knowing that they're about God's work in our community as they do it. That is the meaning behind the money. That is the worth behind the work. Because as God's people, we've been called to serve family and church and community. And we know that the stuff of this world can't provide the purpose we need to get up every day and do it with joy. And that's why God gave us a much higher purpose, to be his hands helping his people in this world. He turns our focus away from ourselves and back towards service. If you ever are wondering, what's the point? Jesus gently turns you back and points you to the callings that you have as spouse, as parent, as member of society, 
as friend, as a part of this church. And Jesus is here. Here is the meaning behind it. Here is the place of worth. Commit yourself to these roles and the high dignity I've given you, and you will find all the meaning you need behind the money. You will find all the worth you need behind the work. God grant it. Amen.